Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today.
Sometimes you think that prayer is what everybody else needs. But do you realize that you need prayer? That, 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 that I, I need it. I need prayer right now. I can't stand up here without it. I can't make it without God. And I need, I need prayer. Sometimes I know my brothers, my sisters, they all need it. But I also need prayer too and that's where I came today to, to do just to spend a moment 
in prayer and then to give you some instruction and we'll let you out. So join me now this time of prayer. Father, we're, we're grateful for the mercies that you've given to us, that you've shown us over and over again for blessing us with life this day. God, we have to acknowledge we don't know what the rest of this day will hold. Let's know what the rest of this year is about. And, and, and we believe that you have given us a charge to keep. We know that you are our God that must be glorified. But we don't always know how to do it. And so we ask that you would direct us. That you would fill us. That you would bless us. That you would help us in our weaknesses. And help us in our concerns. And all of the things that we have need of. And now I pray that you would lift again your human out of self. And that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. That you would speak to us right now. And speak this word to us so clear. And bless our lives and cause us to change and be different than we are. Let the words now of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We ask it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. All God's people said amen. Amen. Me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I want to direct your attention this morning as we open up the year. We're opening with a new series of word on prayer and I'd like to direct your attention this morning to the New Testament book of 2 Thessalonians I know that's not a book you look in much but if you don't know where it is go to the table of content and go down and find 2 Thessalonians and then go to the first chapter well even better look on the screen verses 11 and 12 and we'll just get in verse 11 good today. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> this is the word of God for the people of God. I'm struggling but I'm all right. I want to preach this morning from this subject, praying for right things. Praying for right things. Now it's clear, and I believe all of us are aware that we know we want to pray at the beginning of the year. And we may already have created our own little list of things that we want to pray for. 
Some of us have already decided that we're going to pray for our family. We're going to pray for our children. We're going to pray for our husband. Our wife. Yeah, Lord, bless that one. You're going to have to help him, Jesus. <laughs> because if you don't help him, I might help you take him out. <laughs> so I know you got, you got those kinds of things on your list. You got... You got your children, and, and oh, Lord, some of our children, Lord, if you don't help this one. We, 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 want, we have our list. We, we, want, we want to pray for our health. And we, we, want, we want to pray for our finances. We want, want to pray that our life will be filled with happiness and joy and, and goodness and all of the good things we some might even uh, saying, I want to pray for promotion. I want to pray for a, an expansion that God would enlarge my territory. And, 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 and your list could go on and on. And, and while those things may be good to be on your list, that is not what Paul is suggesting that we should pray for. Uh, what I'm simply asking this morning, what if someone came to you and said, you have three wishes, and I'm going to grant those wishes to you according to your desire. What would you wish for? What would you ask for? It is an intriguing question. And I, and I think that we have not thought about it deep enough or far enough to be able to honestly open up to God and say, here it is. Because these are the critical needs that I want to lay before you. But the Apostle Paul was a different kind of fellow. He was, as I said last night, he was seasoned. And, and his seasoning had come through the trouble and the challenges that he had gone through in life. And whenever you have gone through enough of challenge and trouble, it, it, it changes your thought process. You're, you're not so hung up on what's trivial. You, you understand that it may have a value, but it is not the most important thing. Paul was a gospel globetrotter. He was that tent maker from Tarsus. He was the one that the Lord had picked out of the muck and the miry clay and had set him on three particular missionary journeys and it was while he was on this particular the second missionary journey that he passes through a little city called Thessalonica and there he preached the gospel to them and he only was able to be there for three short weeks because you always have haters. Man, it's just, it's just amazing to me 
that when you study the pages of the Holy Writ, you find out that this is nothing new. That people have always disliked and hated on people who were trying to do a major work. Now, when you're not trying to do anything, you don't have many haters. Because you're in line with the folk that ain't doing nothing. But when you dare step out of the shadows and decide that this is where I'm going. And it's for God that I want to live. And need be for God, I'm willing to give it all up. Then you'll find you're going to have haters. I mean, I mean, and, and it would be amazing. They'll come from everywhere. They'll come from folk you would not have expected it to come from. And people can be nasty. And they were the Paul. All this man did, I mean, in, in, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, he writes back to the little town of Thessalonica because having been there only three weeks, he had introduced them to who Jesus is. He had talked about how their life ought to be changed and be made like unto his. And that he had dropped the subject that one day Jesus is going to return. And, and before he could finish laying out the doctrines, the haters came. And they ran Paul out of town. And so Paul goes to the next town of Corinth. And in Corinth, he writes the first letter to the people at Thessalonica to check on them and to make sure that they were continuing to grow. And when he sent the letter of 1 Thessalonians to the people there, he got a report back from his messenger that said, Paul, the people there at Thessalonica really love you, man. They really appreciate the teaching that you had given. But, touch somebody says, always a but. But some of the people are confused over the fact of the second coming that you talked about. Some of the people were worried that their loved ones who had died would miss the second coming of Jesus. And some of the people were confused on the difference between the day of the Lord, which is judgment day, and the second coming of Jesus when he raptures the saints. And so Paul then writes Second Thessalonians to clear up their confusion. But what I want you to hear Paul saying before he gets into the deeper things about you're not going to miss Jesus. He goes on to say in chapter 4, I won't, don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have already fallen asleep that you sorrow not as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and was rose, rose again, that God would not prevent those who have fallen asleep to go before the rest of us. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
then we which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he said, comfort one another with these words. But ever before he got that far, what Paul is focusing on are the things that the people of Thessalonica ought to be praying for. Now, Paul was a praying man. And whenever you write, whenever you have written, read any of Paul's 14 letters, you always see that they are stacked with prayers. And either he's praying or he's reporting on his prayers. And here in this first chapter, he's reporting to them that I have been praying for you. See, what Paul does is he exposes a pastor's heart. And may I tell you, as we come into this new year, I have been praying for you. But it's not that you'll find a new boo. It's not that you'll get another car. It's not that you'll find some ray of happiness. I've been praying for you what Paul says are the right things. And there are three of those. Number one, that you would live lives that are worthy. Oh, man, that's what you ought to pray for for your child. That's what you ought to pray for for your family. That's what I'm praying for for you as a church, that you will live worthy lives, that your life would count for good and would count for God. This is the second thing he prays for, and I'm going to come back to it and flesh it out a little bit more. But I want you to see it. He prays that you would be fulfilled. He prayed for those Thessalonians that your life would not only be worthy, but that your life would be fulfilled. And I'm praying that way. I'm praying that you would have a fulfilled life, that the new year that God has just opened up will bless your socks off. That, that, that you, 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 you would have so much joy and that you will have so much satisfaction because you are focused on the things that God has assigned for your life. And I know that when you focus on the things that God has assigned for your life, then there will be fulfillment that will come. And then thirdly, Paul says, and it's all right there in verse 11. That's why that one verse is so pregnant with possibility. He says, thirdly, I'm praying that when you serve, that your service will be powerful. Listen, man, can I, can I say, y'all, I'm praying for y'all, that when you sing, you won't sing like your stomach hurt. I, I'm praying. I'm, I'm praying that when you stand, men, that you will stand and, and, and stand straight and stand strong. 
that when you serve, that your service will be powerful, that people can feel you, that people can sense the move of God flowing through you. Sometimes we don't realize that when we're serving, other people watch us as we serve. And, and some people look at some of us and say, if that's what service is, no thank you. And so look, 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 that's what I prayed for. That's what Paul prayed for. Why would he pray like that? Because the man has a pastor's heart. And, and, and having a pastor's heart, a pastor has to do two things. First, he has to teach people the word of God so that people will know what the word of God is and what it says and what God promises. And secondly, the pastor has to pray for the people and teach them what they should be praying for as it pleases God. And, and, and that's what Paul was doing. But let me tell you something, what I know. What I know, and, and I'm, I'm somewhat happy about it because recently in church circles, Christian people have begun to understand something about the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God means that God is sovereign, that he's in charge, and this is his world, and in his world he can do with it what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and how he wants to do it. Now, I'm glad that Christian people are waking up to the fact that we serve a powerful, sovereign God. But I also run with the fear that when people become aware of the sovereignty of God, they begin to minimize their responsibility. Let me give you an example. Recently, I heard a conversation that went like this. Well, if God is sovereign, and since he's sovereign, and he's going to do what he wants to do, like he want to do it, when he want to do it, then why pray? Uh-oh. That's where your theology gets messed up. Because there must also be obedience. Now, when, when obedience and sovereignty and prayer are mixed together, then people can benefit. Let me, let, let me help you. I'm not going to be long this morning, but let me, let, let me help you. Let me, let me help you here. here in, the, in the Old Testament, there was the prophet named Isaiah. And Isaiah had been given a message to the king. His name was Hezekiah. And Isaiah went to King Hezekiah and he told the king, he said, King, the Lord said, get your house in order. In other words, he said, you're going to die. And, and, and that was God's word. But Isaiah, before he could leave, 
didn't see what Hezekiah did. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to God. Yeah, God, I know what your will has been declared to be, but here is my petition. And before Isaiah could get out of the court of Hezekiah's house, God sent him back, go back and speak to Hezekiah again. Tell him, say, I, 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 I heard your prayer and I have added 15 more years to your life. Even though God is sovereign, even though he had declared what he wanted to do and was going to do, prayer. The introduction of prayer becomes the resource by which God moves and responds. So I want you, my brothers and sisters, to understand the value of prayer. Don't think that just because God is sovereign that he won't hear you. Oh, he would hear you. I, I, rem- I, remember, I, re- I remember Samuel, Samuel in, in first Sam, second Samuel, first Samuel was, chapter 12, uh, when uh, the people had messed up and the people had asked Samuel to make a king. They said, we want a king like everybody else. All these other folk got kings. And Samuel went to God. He broke his heart. And God told Samuel, give him a king. But tell him what the king going to do. He going to take your children. He going to take your daughters. He going to take your fields. And he going to leave you in a mess. So make sure you tell him what the consequence is going to be. And when the people realized that they had messed up, They come to Samuel and they say, Samuel, would you pray for us? And and Samuel said, God forbid that I would withhold prayers from from you. He said, I know what God's plan is. And he told them all. He said, you're not going to die because I know what God's plan is. But just because I know what God's plan is, I'm not going to refuse to pray. And he prayed for the people that in spite of their rebellious ways, that God would bless them. Listen, anybody here ever pray, even though you know you've been rebellious? Even though you know that you had stepped a little bit outside of the will of God? Listen, prayer is powerful. It is the resource that we have to access the sovereign power of Almighty God. Let let, let me show it to you another way. You don't believe me. Jesus in his earthly ministry. You know, he came to, to Peter one day and he said, Simon, and he hollered at him, Simon. He called him by his human name because Peter had got a little bit beside himself. He said to him, he said, Satan, has desired to have you. And and he wasn't meaning have you. Satan wanted to have you and to sift you as wheat. He said, but don't don't worry. He could have stopped. He could have stopped right there. But since I'm the son of God and I know the plan, 
He said, but in spite of my knowledge of what God's will, I have prayed for you. Now, if Jesus was the sovereign son of God who knew the will of God in advance, saw the need to pray in spite of what God's expressed will was, what make you think you don't need to pray? And, and, and so don't leave it up to just the sovereign will of God. Because Jesus prayed for Peter. When the hour of temptation came, Peter fell. But God strengthened him. And God got him ready. And God used that man's life. God will do it when you pray the right stuff for right things. And I want you to understand that Paul knew what the right things were for the Thessalonians and has passed it on to us that you and I may know the right things we ought to pray for. Now, in spite of knowing what God is up to for the new year, I would not dare go forward without praying. Do I believe God has a blessing with my name on it? You better believe I do. Do I believe God has a blessing with your name on it? You better believe God does. But if all that means is just another pair of shoes or just 20 more dollars, then you have far undersold what you could have when God releases what he has in mind for your life. I mean, he, he takes a nobody and he makes them a somebody. He, he makes us unworthy as we are in our natural self. But, 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 but when, he, when, he, when he rubs us with the Holy Spirit and he fills our heart to the overflowing and he picks us up out of the muck and the miry clay and he dusts all of the humanness off of us and we shine and we stand in his presence and we live lives that are worthy. But people don't have to necessarily talk about you. They might talk about you, but it don't have to be the truth. They can say whatever they want to say, but it doesn't have to be so just because they said it. Because when God put his hand on you, he takes snotty nose little boys like me and he stands them up and he sends them around the globe with a burning in their heart. God can take you. And this year, my prayer is that your life will be so worthy that, that the ministry of the church will be a worthy ministry. And not only that, but that your life will be Fulfilled. Do, 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 you, do you know what it is to be fulfilled? Do you, do, do you know what it is to be satisfied? See, 
Most people are not satisfied with their life. They're not satisfied with nothing. They're not satisfied with the house that they live in. They're always looking for somewhere else. They're not satisfied with the clothes. Oh, these old things, it's time for something else. They're not satisfied with the person they're with. Wait, hey, you, you old now, you too late. Let me get somebody else. They're not satisfied with the family that they are in. They're not satisfied with the community they live in. They're not satisfied with the country that they live in. And there are folk that are not satisfied even with the United States. And I tell them all the time, you can go ahead and leave. We're not going nowhere. You're not satisfied with black people being in power and being in position. That's your problem. Because God knows what we need. And God can feel you. And God can bless you. In such a way that little things that used to did not matter become very important. See, I, I used to hear mama say stuff that I didn't understand because I was too young. I didn't have the seasoning then. But as the seasoning has come, I began to recognize how precious things like family is. Sometimes brothers and sisters can make you so mad you can't even see straight. But you still need them. Sometimes friends can make you mad, man. Sometimes they can make you almost throw up, but you still need somebody. The poet, poet John Dong was right when he said, no man is an island. No man stands alone. Each man's joy is joy to me. And each man's grief is my own. Oh, man, it meant the world to me just a couple weeks back. I went to a little school, little elementary school, middle school now, for a concert of beginning band students. And to see my little grandson with a horn in his hand, sitting in that group with all the others. Look, I taught band for years, and it just didn't bother me or excite me. But to see that one that day, it brought something else out. It made a difference in terms of what was satisfying and what was fulfilling. There's a story that was told by uh, a, a writer. He was a, a, a Russian writer. And he, he made a bet one day. The plot of the story was that these two men were having an argument. And one man said, uh, what's better to be uh, living in solitary confinement or to go ahead and receive the death penalty? Well, the younger man said, listen, I believe that it's better to be alive under any condition." than to receive the death penalty. And his point was that when you die, it's over. And so the older man who believed that it was better to die than to live in solitary confinement put up some money. He said, I bet you two million rubies that you could not live in solitary confinement for five years. The man said, because he was young, he said, I'm going to take that bet and I'm going to up it. I can stay in solitary confinement 
for 15 years. And so the man, the older man who was somewhat wealthy, put up the two million rubies. And they brought the man to the rich man's house and they had a little area confined that he could see no one but could hear only the voices of those who brought him the necessities that he needed. And they placed him in confinement. And the first year, they brought him all of the music instruments and all night long you can hear the music playing, piano. The next year, he asked for books and they brought him thick novels. And he read books all year long. And the next year, they brought him something else. And the next year, the five years passed like yesterday. Then he was into the 10th year. And then in the 10th year, he asked for a Bible. And in the last five years of solitary confinement, he studied the Bible. And on the night before he was to be released, and become a wealthy man. The old banker now, the old rich man, had decided that his business had turned against him and that he wanted to kill this boy and frame one of his workers. And so he sneaked down to the solitary confinement that night and he was going to kill the man. But he just before he did, he saw a note that was on the table. And the note read something like, I want this man to understand that my values have changed over the years and that he can keep his money and that I'm now a different man. As a matter of fact, before the time tomorrow that the exchange is to be made, I plan to escape from here and never be seen again. And early the next morning, the young man escaped. When the fellow read the note, he put his knife down and he eased back out. But the next morning, the young man escaped because his values had changed. Now, that's what needs to happen to us. Something needs to happen in our value system. We need, we need to understand that money might buy you something, but it can't buy you happiness. Money can't buy you peace. Money can't buy you a good reputation. Money can't buy you a good name. And all of the things that people have been wishing for, for the new year won't bring you the ultimate satisfaction that you think it will. But Jesus can. And if you let him into your life and let him fill your life to the overflowing, then you can live a fulfilled life with or without things. As long as God is satisfied. They used to sing this song when I was a boy in church. I'm satisfied with Jesus. He has done so much for me. But the question comes to me. As I think of Calvary, is my master 
satisfied with me. See, that's what pleases me now. It's that God is satisfied with the life that I'm trying to live. That brings more peace. That brings more joy. That brings more fulfillment than any of the material things that this world has to offer. So again, my prayer, as Paul's prayer was for the Thessalonians, is that you would live in this new year worthy lives. And next week, I'm going to delve into that a little deeper. That you would live lives that are fulfilled and when you serve that your service would be so powerful. Look at what Jesus did. When Jesus walked the earth, I mean what did that woman say? His service was so powerful she said, if I could just touch what? The hem of his garment. He ain't got to say nothing. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I know that I'll be made whole. When Peter was walking down the street in the aftermath of the resurrection, people were just trying to get in his shadow because his service was so strong that the presence of God was all over the man. And people will heal. If you could live a life that will allow you on whatever job you go on, whatever household you live in, whatever community you are a part of, that the impact of you being there will make the difference in the lives of people. Oh, man. What a great year this would be. So three wishes. And my three wishes for you is that you would live a worthy life. That you would live a life that is fulfilling, satisfying, happy, joyous, and that when you serve, whether it's to speak, whether it's to sing, whether it's to pray, whether it's to whatever you do, whatever it is, if it's just a cook, that it'll be so good that folk will say, wow, this is none other than the hand of God on this, whatever this is. What a difference this could be. What a different year this could be. What a different person you could be if you would just learn to pray and pray the right things. Pray for your children that. Pray for your family that. Pray for others that. Pray! Pray! Pray, pray, 
God has the power and he'll bring it. But you got to ask. And when you ask, ask in faith, believing that what you ask, you will receive and you shall have it. And what it is, and God is not just talking about money. He's not just talking about things. He's talking about worthy lives. Oh, God, help us today. Give us worthy lives. Give us fulfilled lives. Give us strong, serviceable lives. That when we go out, we go out knowing that we represent the kingdom. Whatever we touch, turns to gold. That's what the scriptures say. I'm done. Listen. Listen. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. All the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. When you are that person, when your life has been touched by God, you'll see it. You'll see it. And everybody else will see it too. And the world would be different. Your family would be different. Your community would be different. Your church would be different. Doors open. Doors of the church open. This is your moment. Somebody may want to start the year off right. But pray, pray right here. Pray first. God, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to become the man. Help me, set me on the track that I could be and live a worthy life. Give me a heart that my life could be filled. That I could have a fulfilled, satisfying life. Pray today. My service, God, will be strong. Doors of church open any time during the song. Give your heart to God. Hand one of these as we continue. Prayer. Prayer. What a friend. All our sins and griefs to bear. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege. What a privilege it is to carry everything. Trials and temptations. trials and temptations. Is there trouble anywhere? Is there trouble anywhere? Our precious Savior. Take it to. Take it to the Lord in 
Some things we have not. Because we ask not. Because we ask not. When? When we have the friend When we're weak and heavy laden. Cumbered with a load. Cumbered with a load we should never be discouraged. We should never be discouraged when we take it to the morning rest. Some things. Because we ask not. Because we ask not. When we have. When we have a friend who's dead. Oh, what. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. Hey friends, this is Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And I know by now you know about this new book that we have released. Not only have we released it, the book is here. And it's an excellent read, not just because I wrote it, but because of the content and what it conveys. It tells the story of where marriage comes from. Marriage comes from God. And I need us to know that. And if you are in love and are considering this particular path for your life, the content of this book will help you along the way. Not only do we talk about where marriage comes from, 
we talk about keys to compatibility, what's necessary to be effective in marriage. I have a little acronym in the book, it's called CUT, C-U-T, Communication, Understanding, Trust. That becomes the basic formula that's necessary for any marriage to be successful. Not only do we talk about those things and the keys to compatibility, we also talk about staying in love. Once you're in love, we certainly want to remain in love. And some may wonder, well, what if I married the wrong person? We even deal with that as well. So this is a great opportunity for you to make sure that you're in line with what God's will is for your life. God bless you. Please follow the prompts on the screen that you may know how to get your personal copy of this book. Friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.